in a world where the only rule is there are no rules. Man, Toyland ain't what it used to be. Under threat from electronic entertainment. It's better faster like nothing you've ever seen. Sorry, Pokey, I can't afford you. I'm going to have to put you down. One man is going to take things into his own hands. Oh boy, looks like playtime's over. And show the world that he can only bend so far. Who you calling Blockhead? Directed by Christopher Nolan. Gumby. It's Gumby, I'm Gumby, damn it. Now where's my cigar? <laughs> While the first use of Semper Gumby is often assigned to Captain Jay Farmer of HMM 264 in 1984, who actually flew with a Gumby character toy mounted on a standby compass on the instrument panel of his CH-46E nicknamed Airwolf, the term was, used, was in use in 1977 and 78 in the 1st Battalion 5th Marines at Camp Pendleton which is, of course, a play on the motto Semper Fidelis, meaning ever faithful. Semper Gumby means always be flexible. I did not have a way to put this in the episode other than to say it right off the bat because everyone needs to know it. And This is a now real phrase? <laughs> now there's no chance that you don't know it because it's our <laughs> intro. So that's that's actual information then? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's baffling. I love it. I don't know if anyone was expecting... You know, precise, witty commentary on uh, the like one of the first, like maybe the first <laughs> popular claymation thing mm -hmm. that is still in common parlance. Mm -hmm. I my heart wasn't in it. <laughs> no, you you weren't. You, know, you weren't. A, a... I'm I'm a big fan of those off model animation styles, right? Those uh -huh. off Broadway. It's not the standard 2D of the of the 90s onward or the um or the CGI that we get now. It's it's this is something special, something weirder. You know, I I I raved about Wallace and Gromit. You know my fondness for puppetry. Mm -hmm. I didn't care that much on <laughs> on this one. So, it's, interesting. Uh, it was weird to yeah, it was weird to imbibe. Oh, we're going to have a difference uh, of opinion. This this gum man. Well, let's get into it. Yeah. Welcome, everyone, to the Cartoncast. My name is Ben. And my name is Zane. And you're listening to the podcast where we review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults. Yeah, uh, this is uh, this is the Claytoncast. And uh, this is a scrambled episode where we're taking a look at a non-traditional animation style, in this case, claymation for The Gumby Show. Was it called The Gumby Show? I thought it was simply called Gumbay. Uh, so... There's a bit of a history because he's been reincarnated. In the common parlance, he's just called Gumby. I don't like, particularly it, like the notion of him being reincarnated, can I just <laughs> say straight off the bat? <laughs> yeah, you don't think this should get around? Well, much much like an outsider in D&D, &D, I think that when he dies, he, as an elemental being of uh -huh. the plane of Gumbe, uh -huh. <laughs> uh, just, just morphs back into his... Uh, into his own I mean, reality. I, I, I agree that he's elemental, right? Um, like, like, <laughs> like you he, said, like this, this is, is an, this the, is an early hydrogen touchstone of animation of clay. Uh, this is the hydrogen molecule of claymation. Yeah, I, I was listening back to some of our earlier episodes, and we talk a lot about the cartoon pantheon, and Gumby's in it, right? Like, oh, he's definitely is. He, he's an important part of history, but um, in terms of the actual show, like, so. 
what happened was uh, the Gumby show ran from 1959 to 1967. This is an oldie. It was made by Art Clokey. And it was based on his film school work, Gumbasia, uh, which he <laughs> yep. made in 1953. And it was a montage of claymation set to music in a parody of Fantasia. And So uh, even back then, we had copycat artists. Mm-hmm. It wasn't simply, oh, shit, The Simpsons. And then everyone kind of made a Simpsons. No, was... no one's ever had an original idea since, like, the ancient Sumerians. Like, the classical Greeks were not inspired oh, by the classical copycats? Greeks. copycats? Yeah. um, The work was described as kinesthetic, like that's a technical term, and it drew heavy influence from the editing and montage style of his teacher, Slavko Vorkapich, um, whose name is synonymous with uh, that kind of early editing work. Oh, I did not realize. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, we'll we'll talk about it when we get to the animation. There's a lot of really impressive editing uh, in this show. I but took almost no note of the actual animation. You you were just sort of in a in a childhood trance. I was I was in a Gumby fugue. <laughs> oh, that sounds thick. Uh, it, <laughs> that's the only <laughs> adjective to describe it. Yes. Um, so early Gumby shorts, including uh, Gumby on the Moon, uh, these were a hit when they were played on the Howdy Doody Show, uh, which led to the Gumby Show as a spinoff. Now, Gumby Adventures was the '80s revival. And what happened was, uh, in the early 80s, Landmark Theaters staged some Gumby episodes with a Q&A session with Art Clokey. So this was just like a local theater, and an SNL writer had been invited to sit in. Lo and behold, a few weeks later, <laughs> SNL had a sketch where Eddie Murphy dressed in a big Gumby costume. And when the cameras were off, he would become a massive asshole and yell, I'm Gumby, damn it, and, and smoke a cigar. Yeah, I looked into this a little bit because he reminded me so strongly of the Lenny Turtletaub uh, director yes. character from uh, BoJack Horseman. <laughs> and I'm like, there's got to be, where's the patient zero? There's got to be an influ- a common influence here. Uh-huh. And this, in fact, was a real person, Jerry Weintraub, yeah. who was a producer and director and actor. And I, I think he produced like the Karate Kid sequels. As oh, well okay. as the most recent one with Jaden Smith, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I I don't know him like I don't know his work broadly. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give everyone the the feeling of it, uh, it just think exaggerated Jewish guy from uh, think Bernie Sanders. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> Bernie Sanders, the director, and you may mostly have it. Yeah, yeah, with a little bit of, like, uh, uh, Rodney Dangerfield thrown in about how yeah, he doesn't get no respect. Off his meds, Bernie Sanders, yes. <laughs> um, and so, you know, this this was a hit because it's a classic SNL idea of, we took something really weird, which would not play normally as a joke for the older crowd, but we repeated it enough where the older crowd got used to it. <laughs> yeah, it kind of became its own... Uh, it's its own in-community joke in uh-huh. the SNL audience. Yeah, they bring they him back him and people back. love it. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> say what you will about Eddie Murphy, man knows how to entertain. <laughs> well, that, that's the thing about SNL in general, right? It's like they have really good comedy writers, but they need to have broad appeal. So they just have like a good joke repeated a bunch said by the most charismatic people alive. It's that last bit that really needs to be there for SNL. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, after the SNL sketch, uh, Gumby was brought back for home video release and got a role in the Puppet Tune movie. And we all and know the, how that happened. And, and we all on, know what happens with the home video releases. Oh yeah, yeah. There's some there's some casting couch going on there. Yeah. Um, but uh, Gumby 
uh, they, based on all the attention, they decided to revive the franchise with Gumby Adventures. And this was kind of like the third season of quote-unquote Gumby. Mm. Um, and there was also a movie in 95. And so, like, in general, each of the three seasons, um, the, the early stuff that came out of Howdy Doody, um, the, like, syndication run, and then the uh, revival are all fall under, like, Gumby. Um, mm-hmm. And each season is is pretty different from each other. It doesn't suffer the a lot of the problems that, like, a Star Trek does mm-hmm. where the fans are so devoted to it that messing around with the franchise and saying, well, that's not canonical, things like that, it just doesn't really touch things like Gumby. Yeah, nobody you know? cares enough. It, this is for children. Well, I think it's the difference of, yeah, audience primarily. Um, and And also... Just, I don't know, man. Like, who cares about cartoons in the 50s? Like, mm-hmm. it, it just, there weren't <laughs> enough people watching by then in order for there to be a fan base that was, like, well, very, uh, very, very, you know, emphatic about it. Yeah, well, I, I think it's... Very passionate. Um, I, I think it's interesting because, like, you know, last, last episode when we were talking about Voltron, we said we had to put the 80s goggles on, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like we're putting 50s or 60s goggles on for Gumby. Like, this stands the test of time broadly speaking um it, it's much more close to the like 30s and 40s style you know the, your, your your looney tunes and your fleischer uh cartoons oh i like fleischer way better than this yeah yeah but but like in terms of what they were doing it was more experimenting with a new animation style than like broad market appeal uh, attempts yeah the claymation bit is really the main thing that separates it from the other shows of the era, mm-hmm. all the Disney stuff. Because it, it, it reads like a House of Mouse sketch sure. for, for every show, you know? Like, plot that doesn't matter. They're just in an environment playing around with the stuff. Yeah. Doing some physical comedy, which is bolstered by the claymation animation style, granted. Yeah, we're playing. Um, but but there, there's nothing to Gumby that hasn't been done before other than it's clay. Right, yeah, but but that that does a lot, right? Because it, it changes it substantially. I <laughs> I don't don't a... think I'm underselling it. I'm just I'm I want to express that there's nothing here particularly uh, grabbing, attention grabbing, uh-huh. other than the fact that it's claymation. Yeah, uh, but but like think about what that gets you. Like in those early like Fleischer cartoons animation was like we can do anything right like we can have a skeleton like his hand turns into a skeleton key and then the door like gets bashful or whatever like we can do anything by this point in time um that had kind of lost its uh novelty and its appeal and mm. claymation is still new and fresh and but really the only substantive difference in terms of what's quote-unquote possible is this is just a lot harder to work with yeah yeah um, and I, so I remember we talked about it last... by the ingenuity i i remember talking about it last time one of my friends I, I think he came on for the wizards episode bill adcock he tried to do some claymation with like a godzilla figurine uh-huh. and like it took him hours to do it and he only got like a few seconds of actual animation out yeah which... it's ridiculously labor intensive oh and it's something that i don't think that there have been marked improvements in the um in the technology, in the way that there was for 2D animation. Yeah, I, some some art forms, you know, like um, you know, like drawing or painting, like there's digital tools that help. Yeah, and then there's some art where it's like, yeah, learning how to play the tuba in the 1600s is equally as difficult now. <laughs> 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 like, 
There's no there's no life hacks there. Yeah, it's, it's sort of a dead-end technology that's more used as a curiosity more than anything else. And given that we've already talked about Wallace and Gromit, I'm probably not going to talk that much about the actual animation style. Well, how do you feel like this compares to, to Wallace and Gromit or the other stop-motion, uh, like Corpse Bride, that we've, that we've looked at? I, I think it's okay. You know, I, I don't think that the, the animation is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's certainly bolstered by the weird ass setting we happen to land uh-huh. in. Uh, you know, anything goes. And anything goes plus claymation has a weird, like a, a vaguely sinister air about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're, we're trapped in a Dali painting or something. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's very surreal. Very like, I didn't even like, uh, it, it's like when you're playing a game and you, come up with an out-of-the-box solution that turns out to be the right one and you're like i didn't even realize i could think that way like you're playing yeah, portal it, yeah a little bit it's giving you like a new lens through which you appreciate the reality around you but when you when you watch it and you see like oh they did this to do this plot point that they clearly wanted to do that's a very clever way to do it and, and we'll have some examples later yeah I, I think that the plot construction is uh serviceable yeah and that's kind of all it needs to be for a Disney type of plot. You know, uh, I, it's let's yeah. get into the thing and play around in the atmosphere that we're in. I am guessing that you mostly watched the like earlier episodes. Uh, I watched three in a YouTube clip. Uh-huh. The first one had him in a race car. The second one had him doing household chores with a bunch of robots. Yep. Uh, and the third one had him going into a Narnia oven. I, I saw the Narnia oven uh, okay. where he, where he becomes friend with a wad of dough. That's that's the one where I was like, this is sinister in a way <laughs> I don't know how to articulate. <laughs> There's one where he steals food and he's punished by going to a dream dimension where uh, like evil Pokey tortures him with food. That's so good. It's kind. It's like <laughs> it, it, it's the Homer Simpson. You? Like you like donuts, do you? <laughs> like they literally do that. This is the sort of show that would have like a long. Uh, like a long, a little bit too toxic. Um, it's a little horny, yeah. No, no. What I <laughs> what I was gonna say is like they would. Ha- this is the sort of um, pup with Scooby Doo. They are gonna talk about smoking for a whole episode, uh-huh. but they won't pump the brakes like they will on Pup with Scooby Doo. Yeah, they'll ju- they'll keep going. They'll give him emphysema. Yes, and you know, have him wake up from a dream by the end of it. Like, yeah, they'll they'll take out his clay lungs and put in like new, like a balloon or something. He gets shot. Like, I've yeah, seen him get shot <laughs> Gumby's hardcore. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's the that's. It's so weird going back to the fifties and realizing there weren't any guardrails for this shit. <laughs> you get what you get, and you don't get upset. And yeah, something again. It's just. You, you've got cartoon, you've got claymation, you've got silly atmosphere, but all the guardrails are off. Silly <laughs> turns into horrific real fast. Uh-huh. Um, I do want to say that um, there is a pretty sizable difference between the seasons. So the, the early original stuff is, I think, the best. It's, it's cool. It's experimental. There's not a lot of dialogue. This is where yeah. he's just like going into he's scenarios and interacting. It's, it, it's less like... Oh, how is he going to like buy the perfect gift? There's it's no more yeah, like, conflict doesn't exist in these. It's more like we're in a kitchen. What ha- how does Gumby interact with a toaster? Let's, what let's think in through kitchen? this. Yeah, it's like like I said, and I think this is the way I viewed all of them after I got finished with the first one with the race car. It's just like, oh, they put him in a in a setting 
and had prop comedy around him. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's all physical comedy that Gumby articulates through. Yeah. Um, the second season, uh, this was toward the, the middle and late part of the 60s, it has a lot more dialogue, and it has human characters that look like the, the Rankin-Bass Christmas stuff. Oh, good. Uh, this this did not work as well for me. Um, I think Gumby should be seen and not heard. I, I didn't see any of it, <clears throat> so you're going to have to explain what you, uh, the, the what you third, saw. The third season, 80s Revival, has even more dialogue, and now they're in a band together. Um, oh, yes. This was, that's what happens in the 80s. This was bad. So so the lesson is... You got Josie and the Pussycats. You got Jabberjaw. <laughs> We're going to have to do one of those at some point of, like, the band mm-hmm. shows. But the, the overall lesson from Gumby is if you're doing claymation, stay away from living characters. They look taxidermies. They look supesque. Keep to the inorganic stuff. If, if Gumby's playing with a toy truck... I love that we truck, coined the term supesque. You know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you can't fake a supo. It's like you didn't have to do a creature like this. Yeah, it's the it's the real McCoy for our generation, the real supo. Um, but Gumby should stick to the inorganic world, right? Like if he's playing with a toy truck and lifting up marbles, and the first minute and a half of the episode is just like watching marble spill onto the floor, that works. That's, yeah, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough. It's like it, you know we have shows sometimes where it's like they don't care to explain why they're they are where they are um mm-hmm. and this goes one step further because not only do we not care where how we got here we also don't really care what we're doing there's it's, no goal it's kind of like <laughs> we're watching a regular tv show from an alien planet okay hold that fucking thought <laughs> uh-oh because uh, i have some stuff to say about that once we start getting into the characters yeah, well, well, let's do that then. Sure. Uh, Gumby is Doug, but sane and green. Now, when you say sane, I think what you mean is he's responding to an insane world by being extremely flexible. It's not insane to him. Yeah. This all yeah. makes sense to yeah, him. Yeah, he, he grew up in it. He lives there, right? It's it's the flatland thing. Like, all I know is lines. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so I got really focused on the ontology of this of this world, the setting. Oh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> well, I mean, because I didn't want to talk about animation again. Mm-hmm. Um, all the characters behave real nonchalant to some of the weirder stuff that's going on here, right? Uh-huh. It, it's... If it was just Gumby who's, like, going into a Narnia dimension or whatever, it'd be one thing. But the parents also seem to just accept where they are. So it made me think that this was a kind of a whole family who was used to some weirder shit going on. So, like, in the in the robot episode, uh-huh. uh, Gumby says, look out the window, and the mom is like, oh, good, you sicked your toy robots on the, on the chores. That was good thinking. Or mm-hmm. something, like... The robots just exist for her. That's then, just that's a known quantity. Imagine um, you're a kid and you're playing with Legos, right? And you have your your little Lego figurines where where they're humans, and um, you know you got you got your daddy uh, Lego and your mommy Lego and your kid Lego, and the kid Lego his head comes off because because they're Legos. Mm-hmm. This is not a, a weird or terrifying thing in Lego society, and the and the Lego parents would be just like. Ah, oh, Junior's playing around with his head again. Like, you have yeah, to accept it's these rules. Right. And because of the lack of explanation, I'm forced to conclude that robots and magic ovens and all that stuff is just kind of the norm in Gumby's world, or at least for his family. Yeah, yeah. And yet, they are putting on the facade of, like, this 
idyllic 50s household yeah. white picket fence red front door like kind they of learned thing. it from our universe i think <laughs> that th- yes i think that they learned the 50s aesthetic and all the other stuff is from wherever they come from right right that and explains that why the think, 80s they're like oh guys we should have a band this is what people me, do that made me think that they're actually aliens who are trying to blend <laughs> oh because because you know when we start seeing people they're like human people they're not gumby people <laughs> right but and they seem to understand what's going on a bit better than the gumboids do mm-hmm. and that made me think that they're like you know aliens from another planet who are trying to blend in like the coneheads or like, or like zim or or like third like doing from an the equally sun. bad job as zim but everyone's an idiot a zim that's just trying to you know start a new life <laughs> i i like it and i agree like the doug thing where it's just like oh everybody's looking at me everyone's thinking about no no. <laughs> Everyone's accepted this. No one cares. Hi, Mr. Zookeeper. Where's the lion today? My finest, most ferocious lion got sick and died suddenly. Sure wish I could help you. I I just, I, I, I kind of felt the impulse like I sometimes do of like, hey, Gumby, that's important. <laughs> like, I got to do a good job here. <laughs> and that like lasted all of like four minutes into the first episode and i was just uh-huh. like this is this is something that has to be passively assimilated no you have <laughs> I, to pay you have to pay deep attention to this no if you're gonna make I, any sense of it i couldn't i got to hey it's third rock from the sun and then i like tapped out <laughs> yeah yeah and, and i do think like the doug's dad thing also like i love my family like they that that 50s unflappable aesthetic unflappable and like um it's flexibility like idealistic beyond reason now now i want to talk about the design of gumby and where he came from yeah absolutely uh so these were based on a number of like familial influences so the name comes from gumbo uh but not the gumbo we think of this was a name that his grandparents used for the muddy clay on their farm which is so folksy in home hometown (laughs) i love it his his character like conception is such a charming story of mm-hmm. a singular artistic uh, exp- like it, it kind of reminds me of like the um ed and Nettie, the creator from that how he he crafted a show that was just all of his life blended together and thrown into a cartoon uh-huh that's kind of what it makes me think of go yeah. on please uh, cloaky's wife ruth um she thought that gumby should be based on the gingerbread man like oh this would be like a good thing to work like that soft gingerbread the way that it can kind of move and deform a little bit but he decided to make uh gumby green because it was racially neutral and not in not in doug it isn't in doug it means black (laughs) right doug's kind of a weird case in (laughs) the color schema honk honk um, and his head is sloped. This like classic Gumby haircut, like head shape, is just yeah. based on like his dad hair, his dad's haircut in an old photo. Yeah, that's. And his feet are wide, like those like bell bottoms, because mm-hmm. it, he, that way he won't fall down. I I love that. Yeah. I love that it's he was created sort of piecemeal, and it. I can't divorce my brain from looking at it and just seeing a Gumby as opposed to seeing all the pieces that make up a Gumby or even overall, does a Gumby look good? It just, it registers immediately, oh yeah, that's Gumby. No further thought process required. I can't look at it and judge whether or not it looks good. Are you able to do that? No, no, like, 
it, it's it's weird because the shape is so simple. It's just human shape, but all the little touches make it a a a different specific thing, you know? Like that head slope is so important to the identity of this Gumby as different from a thing a four-year-old drew on the fridge. It's the only thing that gives him edge. Mm-hmm. I do like also his clamp hands. Those are nice. Clamp hands. I, I love the way his eyes roll around his... his... So his... His eyes uh, are kind of doing the work of the whole face area because he's got white eyes that are like, they have red pupils. He doesn't have eyebrows, but he has great facial expressions where like if he raises his eyebrow or like curls his eyebrows over his eyes, his eye will literally like fold in. (laughs) Like that's how they decided to express him. Yeah, it definitely has to have its own shorthand because you're using clay and not 2d animation i i I loved how expressive he was and that's why i think it's much better when he doesn't talk because they can accomplish the same amount without it that is true and his voice is nothing really to to speak of yeah he was voiced by a few people most notably by norma mcmillan who uh this is casper from casper the friendly ghost as well yeah that 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 tracks davy from davy and goliath which was cloakie's other major work which was funded by the lutheran church Hmm. Thoughts? Huh. Uh, like, what? when was David and Goliath then? <laughs> Davy and Goliath. Excuse me. It was kind of after. It was like, uh, I think, late 60s. What was the church doing at that time? Uh, that, that's not really what I mean. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know. It, it makes sense to me. If you see, you know, the wave of the future going to be cartoons, you see a lot of the youth that you wanted to indoctrinate into your religion at a young age. Yeah, we got to proselytize in the way that they are, they are uh, interested. In the medium that they are now being raised by, yeah. Because, mm-hmm. like, even back then, they were all, like, you know, TV's ruining America kind of stuff. Yeah, they weren't wrong, but they, they just wrong. they were early. Yeah. <laughs> Trendsetters, those those uh, Lutherans. Uh, yeah, uh, but but it's it's like yeah. a woman doing a young boy's voice in a very rounded and dopey way. Like, it, it's oh very... boy, I better get back home. Yeah, it's it's apple cheeked Doug. Yeah, it's it's slightly younger apple cheeked Doug. Less annoying flapjack. <laughs> I I think I I think I agree. <laughs> um, but I wasn't talking about his um. I wasn't talking about his like physical features so much as Uh like uh, what i connected to like his appearance wasn't the physical features that make him up it was only the social conception of this is a gumby and i'm trying to look at him unbiased and be like is this character design good and i can't make that I can't make that observation objectively. If if your goal is to generate a sense of wonderment of the world around you and have the kids watching this be, uh, uh, you know, paint themselves in this everyman character, then I think he's very effective. You know, the, the green racial neutralness, the, like, only the slightest bit of physical characterization, and the sort of, like, I'm always watching, but I'm not talking a lot. Like, that's a very... Um, easy character to put yourself in the shoes of i want to i want to pose something to you i I haven't thought about this until now i didn't even have it in my notes but you know this the the plot does model itself largely after walt disney i think is fair to say everything did 
Exactly. That, that, that was, they, they, they set the standard. So this kind of follows that standard, and it would be impossible to make cartoons in the 50s without looking at Walt Disney. Mm-hmm. Why don't you think Gumby has a shirt? That, that would be, okay, well, the practical reason or the lore reason? Either. I mean. The practical reason is you need it as simple as possible because you are going to be shape-shifting this guy a lot. So imagine, you know, he, yeah, that that does make. Imagine sense. one of the basic things he does, right? He grows mm. uh, to cat, you know, get something off the shelf. If he has a shirt, you have to think, you know, does a Gumby yeah, wear a shirt like this? You or can't like just, this? yeah. Does he Bruce Banner? Yeah, um, <laughs> which I would love, but is not this show. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. But let let's remove the practical consideration. Would he work better with a shirt, in your opinion? No, I don't think so. I don't think so either, and I. And I'm wondering why that is. And and I think it's just because I am so used to the idea of Walt Disney animals having shirts and no pants, the Donald ducking it. Mm-hmm. Like, Gumby is too much like a human to get away with just a shirt and no pants and yeah. have me not ask the question, wait, where the fuck is his pants? <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's just a, like... He's, he's, he's an emoji. He's child. He's, a, he's like, this is baby. Yeah, this is baby. This is fey baby. Um, and I, I, I don't think any sort of accoutrements would really work for him. Like, give him a hat, maybe. Right? Uh, like a, like a beret, like the Eddie Murphy character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, he's, he's very bland though. Uh, let's move on to Pokey, I guess. Yeah. Pokey was voiced by Cloakie. That, that's, that's a sentence. <laughs> that's a true one. I have exactly one note for Pokey. Uh-huh. Horse boo-boo. Yep. <laughs> that, that's him a little bit more scared same kind of voice sidekick yep. um yep. you got it doesn't doesn't add a lot I, all I, of it i like him better than the other side characters of which i took no note um good wasn't like they're they have like a uh dick dastardly uh or like um the, the russians from rocky and bullwinkle style villains of just like ne'er-do-wells from across the tracks who are there to oh the blockheads yeah 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 what are their they they got some fucking weird name okay so so like the 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 fish and barfs or something like that the the blockheads as they are called they never speak and they hate gumby for some reason one of them has a j shape on its head and one of them has a g shape on the mm. side. These are based on the Cats and Jammer kids, which was Cats a co- and Jammer. comic that's what strip about asshole children, which started in 1897 and didn't end until 2006. Bull! I think we might have, they might have come up in our podcast before, but it's just, it's just a weird thing. Yeah, I'm going to have to look back into them because I, I recognize the name from pop culture, but I, I don't have any any context for it. Yeah, they're, they're generic villains. Again, I don't like Gumby interacting with people. I like him interacting with the world. So if Gumby plus conflict is weird. If, if, if the blockheads tie him to the train tracks, that's not as interesting as Gumby trying to figure out how to get across train tracks without like getting his feet dirty. Yeah, like he started the train and now he's just lying down on the tracks having a good time and he doesn't notice it. Like that's that's better. And, and even that is not exactly what I want. What I want from this is more Gumby is riding in a train and he goes to the engine room and sees a bunch of Walt Disney-esque uh um uh, what what are those machines called? The the thing hits another thing, hits a third thing. Piston. 
Nope. Uh, I, more Gear generically. Shaft. More generically. It's like the... the... Machine. No, it's it's a specific <laughs> type of... Uh, uh, it, it's got a specific name. Um, I, I'm so mad at myself. It's not a... <laughs> It's not a single tool. It's more like a, a like a bunch of cause and effect mechanisms haphazardly me. arranged in a a big room. Yeah, that, you know? that's, a, that's a machine, like an no, engine. No, no, no. no you, I, you, you know what it is. I it, can't believe it. No, I don't. Like an R. It starts with like an R. It's like a proper noun. What? <laughs> a... The, no. Um... Oh my god. I we had we can't continue the podcast until we get this. Hey, how about you keep describing it a bit? Okay, I'm gonna keep describing. So like, imagine <laughs> this is the worst um, game of charades. Imagine <laughs> someone hits the doorbell and the doorbell ring. Oh, a Rube Goldberg. There it is, Rube Goldberg. Yeah, that's not <laughs> okay. Like if you went into the engine room of a train, a machine and... with many steps, not it's a thing in the engine room of a train. <laughs> oh no, 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 it was completely <laughs> disconnected from the train thing, so I'm not surprised that you got confused. <laughs> Good, Rube Goldberg. I was like, I know you know this because you're a big fan of it. Yeah, I want, I want him to fall into that and get deformed, and then come out the other way as like spaghetti. I, I had the image going through my mind of uh, Charlie Chaplin in Modern Times, mm-hmm. where he gets like sucked into the conveyor belt and oh, like tunes the thing from inside it. Yeah, I think that's the place that Gumby, like. There's no point. It's just physical comedy happening, and Gumby interacts with it. Like there, I don't want there to be a problem in a Gumby episode. Yeah, the 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 best Gumby episodes, the plots. Are Gumby's playing around for a while, and then his antics cause a bit of a ruckus. Yeah, even that's, that's too much. <laughs> that, that's kind of all you need. Even that, I think, is too much. I would much prefer kind of like the tech demo style mm. presentation, where it's just him interacting with, like the um, like the the old Mickey Mouse stuff of like uh, torturing animals to make sounds for like ten minutes, and then we're done. Like there, sure. there's no there's no actual or Steamboat Willie. Like there's no actual problem. We're just showing off tech. That's yes, what I want from a, Gumby. We're on a train. We're on a boat. We're in an That's, ice cream shop. The plot is we're on a train. <laughs> Period. <laughs> no problem arises. There's nothing to solve. Ideally, no one else is there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the kind of thing I want from Gumby. <laughs> um, and the way that they shift between these different like set pieces or genres is they, they walk... This is this is weird, and I didn't remember this. They walk into storybooks as if they oh, were the I next town not. over. Ben didn't notice this. <laughs> so this is like, oh, uh, they're they're gonna do a Wild West thing. There's a book that mm. like looks like Wild first West. First of all, first of all, right away, Gumby Wild West. Good. Stop there. <laughs> That's all you need. That's Gumby all. and Pokey literally just walk in, face no resistance. It's not like, oh, hand up against the portal thing. It's like, nope, seamless walk cycle into a book. Amazing. And now we're in Wild West for the episode. Yeah, it's like, that's, that's In the good. episode introducing Pokey, the TV man says, hey, guys, this horse is lost. He needs to be found and returned to his farmer who lives in the same storybook. And the reward is 100 ice cream cones. Nice. That's what we're doing here. And that should ideally be the only dialogue. Yep, yep. Everything else is just, uh... 
is just is just claymation antics Mm -hmm. which like i don't have anything else to say about characters do do you have any other notes no not particularly let's move into animation because that's kind of the point of -hmm. the medium absolutely Uh, and i think that you have actual more notes on this than i do so i'll let you lead this one so so this is not the first claymation but it is very early and it's certainly the oldest widely known property um and there are a lot of different things that we can talk about in the way that Gumby moves specifically. Um, and, and not just clay, but other stop motion things that they do to, to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in particular, the way that he interacts with the you know plot of an episode, I think of it the way that Jackie Chan interacts with nouns. You, you, pick, you pick a noun, you figure out, how can this character interact with it in an interesting way? So for Jackie Chan, nunchucks. How do I it's fight? It's always nunchucks. How do I fight with a toilet seat? Right? Like how it's do I be <laughs> some porcelain nunchucks? How do I fight somebody that, like, with a stack of magazines? Thing. Yeah. For yeah, Gumby, yeah. it's okay. He's gonna fall into an accordion. How exactly is his body going to deform? That, that's why I say that it's enough plot to just say Gumby on a train. Mm-hmm. And the rest, of, like, Gumby at one point is going to get sucked into the steam thing, and he's going to come out as a cloud of smoke in that, like, yes. train puff, puff, puff thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's going to pop, and he's going to rain back into the into the seat just in time to get his lunch or something. Sure. And reform. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's, that's the beauty of Gumby, is that he is implicitly so malleable that no, it, nothing needs to be... There, there's no stakes, even in dire situations. Yeah, and there, you know, it, it's uh, it's it's entertaining to watch certainly as a kid because it doesn't look like anything, and because like everything's very broad, um, like it, it's very like, oh, he's approaching a thing slowly. I can predict what happens. He does it, and I feel smart in the way that like kids TV kind of works. Yeah. Um, but it's also yeah, that's kinda, great. It's also got a little something for us because we can play this fun game of like, where's the clay residue from when they moved this thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. So like it, when his eyes roll and there's a bit of red left behind on his eye, or when he grows and shrinks and they forget to move all the extra clay off screen, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's very charming. It's like trying to read any novel from the 1800s and being like, okay, where's the where's the con- Confederate sympathies? Right, right. It's got to be somewhere here. <laughs> yeah. 1900s. It was a quote-unquote different time, guys. Weren't it? Um, And, you know, there is also, uh, in terms of the way Gumby moves, he can walk, but way better is when he slides. Oh, him sliding with, like, the the horse legs just slightly out and his his mouth agape. The little rattling sound, like, like this is his dash attack in Smash Bros. Yeah, (laughs) like he's charging up his Pegasus boots. I I don't know if they just did this as stop motion with extra frames or if they literally pulled him along on a string in in live action. That's what It, it looks like. It looks smoother than his normal walk cycle. And it adds character expression. Like Gumby's the cool kids whose parents brought you know bought him Heelys. Yeah, it's it's pretty fun. Uh, I do think that it is probably they just pulled him with a string and therefore didn't have to be as. It, it's a more continuous motion than every step. Mm-hmm. So it of course it's going to look less choppy. I think it's it's super cool. And if you were a shapeshifter, this is absolutely the way you'd get around. You you'd, you'd pull yourself 
along like Batman Piderman. Yeah, you'd pull yourself to the side by your bootstraps. You, you, did, I, I showed you Batman Piderman, right? Oh, yeah. With uh, Spider-Man just, like, what if Spider-Man just didn't want to walk? Just limply dragging himself by his web shooters. Just, just, just thwipping, thwipping to get across the room. Am I alone in thinking that Heelys are really cool? No, I looked up a, a Heelys for adults and I couldn't find anything that wasn't either wildly expensive or um, made by a company whose track record I did not trust. Yeah, and, and in the wild, like, watch any seeing anybody... Any adult with Heelys, I've never seen an unsexy person do it. It's It's been exclusively the most attractive people. Oh, well, that's not accurate, I don't think. No, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I don't know if it's selection bias or what, but it adds a little something, you know? Yeah, that, that's a that's a troubling libido you have there, sir. <laughs> I've never been able to quite parse it. Because, like, you have to wonder about the character of a man who, uh, of who, of, of a man who, does not who does not take no for an answer when it comes to shopping for adult Heelys. <laughs> and like that that's a level of passion that I can't really grok. <laughs> uh what else what else do we have to talk about? Um so he plays around with a lot of other um things besides clay. So we get like erector set like stuff, uh marbles, wood, building blocks, just random toys that you can physically interact with. It's kind of some Bob the Builders or Dino Trucks kind of vibes of mm-hmm. like we're we're in a build shit toy box, you know. Not mm-hmm. like a, this isn't like a Lego, uh, you know, haunted house kind of toy box. This is a build your own stuff kind of toy box. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think less obvious than the claymation um, is the editing, which is actually really impressive in my opinion. I um, I agree with the animation editing. Uh, what did you find impressive about it? Well, just, you know, Cloakie studied with the best in the business. So we're, we're cutting from, like, wide shots to close-ups to character expressions in a really satisfying and cinematic way. Um, like, when we cut back and forth between a runaway train and Gumby sitting on the tracks, whenever we go back to Gumby, it's from a different angle. Like, it's shifting so that the shot is more effective at what it's trying to do, right? Like, we're seeing less of the... Uh, uh, you know, space in between the train and Gumby, so it feels like it's getting closer to him faster. Well, think think about the animation uh, tech at the time. You know, they, they were used to 2D animation, wherein maybe three-point perspective just wasn't a thing that was broadly, uh, broadly taught to cartoonists. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's something that you would find in certain media. But I wonder how much cartoonists did before like it it was coming out of comic strips yeah and but, comic strips were always you're looking at the scene like you're looking from behind the fourth wall looking at a scene horizontally mm-hmm. you, like you didn't have that kind of changing the angle available yeah. to you or one camera to you, sitcom but for stop motion that's it's interesting because it's, it's borrowing the capacity to look at it from different angles like you have in live action yeah, you you have um, it, so you can use the cinematography that has been developed in live action mm-hmm. because you don't have the same limitations that you do in the cartoon in the in the comicry. Yeah, business. you don't have to get a bunch of people. You don't have to line up the exact shot to make sure like the boom mics in the you know not in the way. It well, it's, it, that it's built it into have, the medium. It doesn't have the limitation of film in that way. I'm saying it also doesn't have the limitation of uh 2d animation classic Uh 2d animation wherein the people drawing 
like right. this had to go through the hands of several different people to do all the cell editing and whatnot yeah you don't have to design a 3d space ahead of time that's what i'm getting at yeah because yeah. the 3d space is already there all you have to do is change the camera angle and yeah. because you don't have to like retake shots because uh, there's film like it doesn't have to be a continuous you know saint in the rain type shot you can just take a still image and line it up with a different still image and you're good but even then, you could still have the thing where it's just like, you know, shot reverse shot where you're having two people talk to each other and you're just going back and forth. Here it's a lot more dynamic. Like if, if um, <clears throat> you know, Gumby is like dancing around on top of something that's unstable, you can cut between him smiling to his like close up on his feet interacting with it, shot to Pokey's expression of nervousness. Like it moves around in a way, um, you know, I, I don't have the cinematog cinematographic language for it, but it's it's uh, it's compelling. It's 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 more effective than you might think. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to. Like, I, I wanted to keep this in mind for, for maybe later stuff of this era, because I, I am interested into what, like, the process was mm -hmm. for this, because I, I happen to know you make a scene, and then you take some shots, and then you pose them again, and then you take some shots. But, like, in that process, you know, that takes a while. And if it's, like, Gumby walking from one side of the screen to the other, you're taking it all from the same angle until he's we're moving on to the next angle of play, right? Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of time to consider where should the next angle come from. Right. So it might have just been something for the director to, like, chew on while the actual animators were, like, making the, the rest of this scene happen. He would be, like, going to different sides of the table and being like, this is where the next scene... I don't know. I'm interested... Well, also, you have a lot of options... Would be like. You have a lot of options in the editing bay because these episodes often take place in nowhere um mm. like a nowhere that has stuff in it like and there's a lot of stuff but if you want to just like oh i need this really good reaction shot to put in later you can do it with a blank wall and it's fine yeah it's a reboot space <laughs> there's just nonsense behind you and you welcome, don't, don't worry welcome about to it. place welcome to place is really what we're what we're working with here i kind of like the setting even given all its weirdness uh, uh what, what is it called again toy town toyland toyland man yeah the candy land comes to mind with uh -huh. with that name yeah uh, very of a time that was uh, passed for entertainment i i it, it's interesting kind of bringing to mind wallace and gromit i don't find because wallace and gromit was certainly more deft with its claymation but I don't think that it actually had like a lot of improvements on the basic tenets of claymation. Like when I when I watch Gumby melding into the road and then coming out of it as a car or something. Uh-huh. It doesn't look that uncanny. Right, so, right. Certainly there's some missing frames and it's not as um it's not as it, it's it's choppier than a Wallace and Gromit scene, but that aside, it kind of just looks like claymation is claymation. Wallace and Gromit is much more deftly handled because they also had like the audio mixing was better, and uh -huh. um, you know the, the the actual characters and plot was better. And why why I, do you think they Wallace and Gromit was able to get away with successfully all the extra dialogue and plot and like higher concept stuff? I think it is because of the audio. 
pure and simple. Like, the audio just was not there yet for this. Sure. And let, let me tell you what I mean by that, because this is styled after Disney, right? And sure. you, you, you equated it to as, as unto a Looney Tune. I think that the part where that comes in most prominently is the fact that the soundtrack is all classical orchestral fanfare. And that was true of the other, you know, I, I think Looney Tunes is Warner Brothers and like Fleischer, but they, they all kind of yes. had the same aesthetic. Which is why the orchestral score sounds great. Yeah, it, and it's a little simple, but they're playful melodies. A lot of strings. every other piece of audio is pretty not good. Uh, with the exception of some sound effects, but mm-hmm. like the 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 actual the voices, you don't watch a Wallace and Gromit and say that guy got too close to the mic. Mm-hmm. Undoubtedly, that is the problem with that take. <laughs> and this, you can very clearly hear. Oh, he just he he uh, he he uh, he spiked his mic. Yeah, like, he yeah. was just too close to it. Um, the the voice acting is much worse than in Wallace and Gromit. That's Again, true. there weren't really those professionals of that style yet. Yeah, yeah, it's just whoever you have around. Yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, I I think I think you're right about the sound. I think that it's definitely, um, you know, this is its own thing. Like this is its own show that where we're just exploring a world. Whereas Wallace and Gromit, that's a show. Like that's a that's a a thing that happens to be claymation and it's successful because of it, but this can't work without claymation. Um, when I was watching Wallace, when I was watching Wallace and Gromit, I felt like I was watching Wallace and Gromit when I'm watching Gumby. I feel like I'm in the pit, you know, like I'm, I'm in the orchestra pit. <laughs> oh, like you're like, uh, like pit band. Yeah. Yeah. You can kind of see the, see the code behind the matrix. It's, it's very easy to, look at a to hear a sound effect and equate it to an instrument with which i'm familiar yeah i agree like um there's clearly bells and flutes for sound effects and the occasional like boy okay so that's a that's a flexitone and they use it for everything that they don't know how else to foley Mm -hmm. Uh, even when it doesn't fit like some of the some (laughs) of the sound effects fit great gumby's dad slides down a ladder that's a xylophone. That sounds amazing. Or Pokey's got those horse clops. Perfect. Yeah, that someone invited some Monty Python coconuts onto the stage. We, we got some weird rattle for when he skates. It, uh, it works, I guess. Yeah, that, that, that's that's kind of what I'm talking about. Is because like in the in the oven Narnia episode, uh-huh. when they go into the oven, you would expect like kind of a uh, pulling a champagne cork sound. For them going into the opening and then, you know, kind of squeezing into the oven, you have a something like that. Yeah, right? yeah. Oh, uh, but um, but this is but instead, what we get is a flexitone, mm-hmm. which is like the classic like twang sound effect. Yeah, <laughs> that is not a twang action, <laughs> sirs. But it's the percussion <laughs> instrument they had on hand, and they didn't want to think about it too hard. Yeah, so like, I, I got together a whole orchestra. You're telling me it's not enough? Get out of here. That's that's yeah. So I'm gonna be damn it. I'm gonna be damn it. We'll get to it, man. Well, we will. No, um, we already did. Uh, oh yeah, but, we did it already. We don't but, have to do um, it again. So uh, I, I wanted to mention in that oven episode mm-hmm. where the dough is showing them how the dough is made. Um, <laughs> yep. There is a like he's like, hey guys, just come and follow me, and they have to like cross a 
room full of rolling pins <laughs> that are moving on their own. <laughs> it's delightful. Um, but the, the it was, way... it's like the scene from uh, from the Great Mouse Detective when mm-hmm. they're on the game board. Yeah, when they're when they're in the toy shop, when they're in Toy Story Land or whatever. Yeah, and and it's like you're thinking, oh man, Gumby, like. I've seen this kind of thing happen to Gumby before. This is going to be a rough putt for him. But the way that it's shot is like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Like, yeah. he's looking at the rolling pins, and then suddenly, reverse shot, we see behind him, and the rolling pin is taking up half the screen, and it's coming super fast at them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, really, uh, like, it, it, it's it's clever and effective the way that they that they do that. It's also clever in a, in a different way. Which is that uh, it? The show knows not to reach beyond its grasp in terms of the set design. Yes, because it 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 puts you commonly in places where it makes where it is easy to move objects. So the three episodes I saw: racetrack, um, mm-hmm. you know, a uh, uh, house with a yard, um, kitchen. Yeah, those three situations, and he's always like shrunk down such that the rolling pins are clearly bigger than him. Yep. So like that—that that is clearly just a plot construction to make him the right size, yep. such that he can be in the room with a rolling pin. And that's just—I I appreciate that little clever. Yeah. You're making it make sense for the size that he—that his actual model is. And and the second season, when we get a lot more of like Gumby in town. It doesn't work because there's a lot more moving pieces. We have humans that don't move like humans do. And uh, th- there was one episode where he bought a... Um, <clears throat> this was this was super weird dialogue where we start the episode and Gumby goes up to the zookeeper and he's like, Hey, show me that famous lion. And he's like, I'm sorry, Gumby. My, gu- my lion got sick and died suddenly. Like, Amazing. That's how we start the episode. Amazing. And Gumby buys, like, a magic bee that can cage any animal from a fast-talking W.C. Fields impression. Awesome. Wow! That's some bee! Yes, sir. The Gruby doesn't build honeycombs like other bees. He builds crates around other animals. Any animals? Yes, sir. Any animal alive. They go, he and Pokey go to the jungle. The jungle does not work for Gumby because... One, we have three animals that look taxidermied. Mm. Two, there's, like, grass, obs- tall grass obscuring every shot. And three, like, nothing can move together in the same frame because this is supposed to be in a live environment, so they have to move. And But because that's too complex, the result is we never see multiple characters in the same shot, and that just makes the whole thing feel a lot, uh, lot less alive. Yeah, I, I think it works better... When they're in like the uh, the fifties, where they're in nowhere space, not 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 nowhere space, <laughs> but somewhere that is shop. somewhere that is abstractly static is yeah. is a better space for him. So like in an oven, oven's an appliance. It's got you know a structure to it. It's not mm-hmm. moving all the time. What, what grass is famously hard to animate in you know video game technology. Sure. Grass and water. This is why it looks so shitty in so many games that aren't more recent is because capturing like the brownian motion and like all the different rivulets of water and like the reflections of it's actually a like a huge animation task and they were nowhere close to that so what they did was they 
cordoned off Gumby into places that were easy to animate most of the time. Sure. Which is why I think racetrack, the, the things that you're watching are going to be the cars. You're not going to be watching, yeah, you, can you know, passing like little, birds in little the background. Hot wheels. It, it, and that is the other reason why it's good to do a racetrack is because you sure as hell have some other kids' toys around that are, like, applicable to this exact situation. Yeah. Um, I do want to mention, because you, you brought up water, <clears throat> the mm-hmm. water effects on Gumby are great. Oh, um, yeah? Because they use just real physical water, um, mm-hmm. but it is arranged really nicely on his face where, like, if he's washing his face or if he's sweating or if he's crying, they all look uh, distinct because they thought of, about where exactly the water should be placed, how fast it should be moving. Uh, it, it's the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, this is a craft. I did notice that when he had some sweat drops on him that it looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a limit to that, right? When he wipes the sweat drops off, they can't be, like, in air or anything. They just become dry, right? Yeah, yeah. It just, he's absorbing them into his being, which also works with the cosmology. Yeah, it, 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 the the limitations of this medium are different and therefore interesting, even if I it's agree. not successful at whatever it's trying to do. I think it's successful at most of it, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't dislike this as an artistic expression of what can we do given the technology that we have at the time. Yes, assume a Gumby, then... Yeah, and, and once you hit everything that they did, the I, I think it I think it kind of explains itself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, why are we here? Because we had to be. Uh, why don't we explain it? Because we don't need to. Like, it, it's very if then kind of uh kind of questioning that we're doing yep yep um i did want to say one more thing about the music which is mm-hmm. in general the <clears throat> sound is just like we're in the 50s yep. like imagine any parody video of yeah you know, 50s living the workaday man is off to work at his fine job very the missus Beaver. stays home and cooks the chicken yep and it's ugh, man that the fifties aesthetic is so potent. Like in one episode, Gumby like asks for a glass of milk from mm-hmm. his mom. Like, may I? With like the proper grammar and like cotillion training Yo, ma. or whatever. Yo, ma, yeah. pour me a glass of milk. <laughs> yeah, give a man some milk. <laughs> no, it, it, he he like asks, may I have a glass of milk? And, and she gives it. But and then she says, you know, to. You've done a, such a good job with your choice, chores. I think such virtuous boys deserve some crackers with that milk. And I'm just like, oh, God, it's so 50s. I can't take it, how how dry and wholesome it all is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, if there's a place that you can do it, it's probably Gumby and Toyland. Yeah. Because, like, we're already in crazy space, so I'm not worried about all the various difficulties of the 50s yeah, rearing it, their heads. It, it, it's kind of like how in uh, Toy Story, like, oh, you know, we've got this nuclear family, like, Mom, my, you know, my little sister is doing this annoying thing, like, thing I've seen a million times, but it's okay because we're focused on these living toys. Was the was the pig from Toy Story also Norm MacDonald? <laughs> I, I think that was John Goodman, wasn't it? John Goodman? Pig from Toy Story. Wasn't his name like Hamlet or something? It was Ham. It was just straight up Ham. <clears throat> oh, Pixar wiki. Uh, this was voiced by John Ratzenberger. Oh, that that tracks. 
Maybe I'm just seeing him as a Norm MacDonald character, as like, here's the gross one of the bunch. I think we're just seeing Norm everywhere. Do you, do you have some sort of, like, unresolved guilt over his death? No, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say it's unresolved. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it as an exercise for the Oh, listener. right, John Goodman was the, the villain in the third one. Oh, that's right, Goodman Bear. Yeah. Mr. Goodbear. Yeah. Uh, which is like a, a off-brand candy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Are we done? Can I can I stop talking about Gumby? Yeah. I mean, there's not there's not a lot else to say. It's it's the kind of thing where you know. Yeah, I'm definitely glad that we covered it, and it's the totally. kind of the kind of thing where I wouldn't mind watching some more, like with a kid. Like I think these are very fun and and expressive and exciting things. Like if you want. To get a kid interested in the Play-Doh you already bought him and he lost interest in, this is a good show for that. Well, I mean, like, it doesn't, it's not a show that pedals to a particular need, mm-hmm. I don't think. Like, it's a, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, it's a show without reason. It's just, yeah, it's just there because Which children, is refreshing from an old show, right? Well, the novelty of TV was enough, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they would watch anything. Kids were, kids in the past didn't know how bad they had it. <laughs> I think Gumby... The early stuff, the experimental stuff, really holds up, and I, I really enjoyed watching it. And then the later stuff was like, I can't believe how far the mighty have fallen. I I don't think it holds up, but that mostly as a fault of the sound is like not fault, but like a, as a limitation of the sound technology of the time. Like the orchestral score is amazing because it's just some fucking Looney Tunes or Walt Disney shit again. Like mm-hmm. there, there's not, you're not doing anything that isn't proven to work. And, like, given the formula for how to do it. But because there weren't competent voice actors at the time, because mic technology was not as uh, malleable to certain voice performances, because they were limited to presumably five percussion instruments and no more for whatever was in their contract, Mm -hmm. because of all of those things, it is distinctly unpleasant for me to listen to. Even though I think that the tech behind the animation is pretty good i just wallace and gromit kind of obviates this to me mm. I, I i think they're uh i think they're in different uh different locales they're doing different things i don't think that they're different enough to justify both of them still existing <laughs> you know i i don't think that this well I, I guess maybe it would do some thing better for younger kids than a wallace and gromit which is very slightly more cerebral i i think i would rather watch this than almost anything else uh aimed at the same like demographic yeah i I mean just because it's interesting not because it's like would you rather watch another episode of this or another episode of dino trucks that's not a fair comparison. Would I rather watch an episode of this or an episode of Popeye is a fair comparison. Oh, well, you know, Popeye. That's not and fair. And ideally Popeye from like the 30s He's a ringer. 50s. I am looking forward to putting Gumby in the who would win in a fight category. Uh, Gumbercules is very strong. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that is, uh, that's Gumby. That a Gumby is. Cool. That's a Gumboing. Put, a, put another legend in our, in our pocket. Yep, and... And and never take him out again because I don't have anything else to say. I'm sorry, I'm so dismissive about Gumby. It's just it's so hard to talk about claymation when we've already talked about the best claymation. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It, it it's it's may may he lay forever in rest. Yes, he's earned his peace. Put him yes. out to 
gum gum pastures or whatever. Now, it's unfortunately, called. we can't lower him to the sound of a snare drum because we don't have enough percussionists. If you yeah, recall, up until the, the '60s, drums were the devil. It was just claves. Yeah, um, I do have one more thing that I just thought of that I kind of want to say, which is, I'm wondering how they actually piece together the me i should have looked this up i don't know if you happen to know this but like the 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 musical score i took note of this there was one part where it went from happy classical to kind of tense classical Mm. and then out of it again into happy classical and it all did so on the right beats in the episode yeah i mean i think you have to you have to make the music understated enough but also like the music's the last thing you put in but but I'm saying, like, it was synchronized to the medium that was being showcased. So if it's the last thing they put in, do you think they did the whole track in one go? I, I think what they did was they made the show, they did the audio as close as they could, and then because it's claymation, you can just slip frames in here and there to, to, to fit it out, right? <laughs> That's an interesting idea. Like, they interpolated it after they uh-huh. wrote the music such that it all synced up well. That's like, an oh, interesting this, idea. This'll look, this'll fit with the sound a lot better. It'll look a little choppy, but it's the 50s. It's already looking choppy. Like, there's, yeah. They'll forgive it. Yeah, exactly. That's how I would do it. Uh, but, yeah. yeah. But speaking of legends, um, we're putting in an extra episode coming up next. Ooh. Are we doing this next, or are we doing this... I guess it doesn't... Whatever order we release them in, you'll hear them. We're going to be watching the new... Um, the first season of the new Netflix series, Arcane, right? You got a, you got a request from a, yeah. from a noted individual. From a noted individual. Yeah, my buddy Tim at the Professional Casual Network, whom I do uh, my D&D podcast with, The Lost Omen uh, Presents, I think. Might it just be The Lost Omens podcast. I don't remember what exactly it's called. You can look up what it is ben, I ben's the face sailor. he's not the, he's not the organizer of this i can't organize shit i can show up and be salty in in a good way yeah briny really it's really fun uh and you can speak to it as a listener's aim since i know you you have listened to some of it in the it's past. really fun but not as fun as being in it if that is accurate <laughs> yeah like most um, D&D. But it's, it's super fun, and he, he does great work, and he's going to come on the show because we recently met up and talked about Arcane for like an hour straight and didn't run <laughs> out of things to talk about. Zane hasn't watched much of it yet. Uh, he's going to finish it up, and then we'll have uh, we'll have an episode soon where we all talk about it. And yeah. it's based on League of Legends. Zane and I don't know League of Legends. I sort of know MOBAs. Uh, yeah, I don't know shit. T, uh, Tim did watch, or did play League of Legends, or at least is more familiar with it than us. So he's going to give some much-needed context into Yeah, that. yeah. I, I know they have that Harley Quinn knockoff character that everybody loves. Oh, Janks, yeah. Yeah. But Ben, what about after that, or possibly before that? Uh, adjacent to that episode, we'll or be thoughtful. doing... Adjacent to that episode, we'll, <laughs> we'll be doing... Um, we, we will be looking at another sports anime, because it's been a minute... Uh, and uh, checking out Yuri on Ice, of which I have heard a lot about and have not seen because it was sort of in the in the era that people were recommending things to me a lot, and I just sort of tapped out on anything that anyone recommended because yeah. I was uh, I don't I don't like I don't like being shoved stuff in my face. Yeah, yeah, it is a it is a sign of maturity to tell people to go shut up when they tell you, hey, I want you to watch this. I think it's more of a sign of maturity to do that and then not immediately 
harbor resentment toward the property for the rest of your life, which you, I've you, only recently unlocked the, the, the tech points for. The, the advanced maneuver is to write down a list of everybody who told you you should watch it and then wait a few years, make a podcast about it, and put them on blast. That's the way to do it. <laughs> that, now that's what we're doing. <laughs> that's what we're all leading up to here. Yeah, and then uh, I guess I have some stuff after that. Wouldn't I, you like I to know? suppose you do. <laughs> but anyway, uh, have happy holiday season, everyone. If you don't celebrate holidays, hopefully you have time off from work. And if you don't have that, then hopefully you uh, are not depressed. Yeah, that sounds really that sounds awful. I'm going to put that out as like a blanket. We hope our audience is not depressed. It's not a fun time. Like uh, speaking from experience, I wouldn't recommend it. Well, do you think uh, you think Gumby had any was suffering from anything that he I didn't think want to talk about? Probably something trauma. I think something traumatic happened in his childhood that he is trying to forget. Yeah, he's got a lot of guilt. I don't think it's guilt. I think it's repressed rage. Mm-hmm. At a world that cannot uh, uh, conform to him, so he must conform to it. I don't hate that. <laughs> legitimately that is you know when you were pitching gumby in the opening uh intro i was like this is pretty good it kind of writes itself doesn't it <laughs> yep. if we can get lenny turltop to direct it now we'll be in business bada bing shlaming shlamoil <laughs> shlamoil is the perfect word for that guy <laughs> uh anyway Thanks for listening everyone if you want to give us a uh if you want to comment at us Go to our Facebook page. Go to fancybat.com slash cartoncast. You can leave a comment or a recommendation in the contact page there. You can mm -hmm. uh, recommend us a different show to watch. You can tell us anything that you happen to know about Arcane and have feelings about or about uh, Uri on Ice. Ice. I, if you have feelings about one of them, it should apply to both is my guess. <laughs> they bro they're both rather gay uh, and rather excellent. Yeah, as yeah. I as I so I've heard. Not erotic enough, I'd say. <laughs> you always say that though. Um, I learned from the best. Yeah, waggle my eyebrows. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, if you want to give us a rating or review, go to Apple Podcasts and uh, tell tell people that you like us and that we're great, so that we oh, hear oh, it God, and please. believe it. Yes, <laughs> we're hungry it for it. Um, and more than anything else, just tell your friends about the show. Uh, Zane, do you got some percussive sound effects that will unceremoniously gesture us off screen? <laughs> Scout wasn't invented yet. Yeah, Wait, was yeah. it? No, I, I think... Was I it think 40s? Thing, no, Scout, yeah, Scout was like an early jazz uh, uh, innovation. <clears throat> I don't know if Louis Armstrong was the first, but certainly the best. Because Zoot Suit sounds onomatopoetic as unto a scat. Yeah, so I'm, I feel like it might be a 40s thing. Zoot Suit was, um, that was an act of rebellion against, um, like, cloth shortages. And rationing. <laughs> that was the Zoot Suite. No, no, no. Like, uh, the, the... The Zoot Coup. The government was like, hey, guys, we're fighting a world war. We need to ration our cloth. And people were like, fuck you. I'm going to make suits with extra cloth. Are you serious? Yeah, that's what a zoot suit is. I just thought it was something harmless that I didn't need to feel sad about. You're thinking of Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Are, am I? <laughs> <laughs> Folks, live your life so that Eddie Murphy can characterize you in, on SNL. That's, that's the end goal of this podcast. <laughs> Face it, kid. The both of you together couldn't Velcro my sneakers. <laughs>
not exactly a Christmas character I'm seeing. What the hell do you mean I'm not a Christmas character? Look at me. I'm green. <laughs> I'm green and all the children love me. The kids love me and I'm a Christmas character. You jerk. <laughs> And Gumby, I just want to point out, you, you're not hey, allowed... give me a match. I want to smoke this cigar. <laughs> yeah, you're not allowed to smoke in here, Gumby. Hey, don't tell me not to smoke headshot. I do what I want to do. <laughs> I am Gumby, damn it. I am Gumby. Hey. If I want to smoke a cigar, I smoke a cigar. So where's your... I smoke a cigar. <laughs> what about your horse, Pokey? You have the nerve to sit there and bring up the name of Pokey? He's in a glue factory for all I care. And heck, I don't believe this. I make my triumphant return, and you're talking about a can of dog food? 